here we are here we are what is up beautiful people just jumping on to facebook live as well as clubhouse having some amazing uh responses and questions and comments and dms from these little rooms that i host that i also do a facebook live simultaneously in my uh, free public Facebook community, Trigger Proof, also, which then gets kind of put also onto the podcast and then YouTube. And it seems from the DMs that I'm getting, the questions that I'm getting, that these conversations have been helpful. And so as, as long as I f uh, I'm feeling that you're uh, appreciating them and they're useful for you and uh, the feedback that I keep getting is great. I, I have the odd hater come in, but far less than... Um, I used to have as I became a little bit more refined in my delivery um, because I talk about really um, triggering stuff. And today we're going to talk about something that will no doubt bring up some deep feelings within you um, for many reasons. Number one, because regardless if you have kids or not, you are a child of parents. <laughs> you had parents, you had experiences with parents, some good ones. And sometimes some of you, uh, from what I hear and the stories you share with me, some of you have had some horrible experiences with your parents. And to that, uh, my heart goes out to you. Um, if you're here for the very first time listening, I wanna uh, welcome you to this conversation that I love to have. If you asked me 10 years ago while I was running my chiropractic practice uh, that I would be on this thing called Clubhouse um, leading conversations about trauma, about interpersonal trauma, about relationship codependency, uh, about uh, narcissistic codependent cycles and healing uh, trauma bonds and creating secure attachments and all of the things that I can't shut up about now if you told me 10 years ago that i was uh, going to be talking about this and making um uh, uh running a business leaving chiropractic and running a business that help people get to the root cause of their suffering physical often physical and definitely their emotional and is unresolved attachment traumas and that's why i left chiropractic because as a clinician with a deep desire to help people heal. That's all I went to school for. I just became obsessed with what does it take for an organism to be healthy? How do I help get sick people well? 20 years as a chiropractor, I realized I can do only so much just with my hands. My hands and making adjustments to the nervous system doesn't address the root cause of why most people are suffering, which is unresolved attachment traumas, your primary attachments. So we're talking about parents today because no matter what your problem is, we always have to go back and blame your parents. I'm, I'm kidding. This is not really about blaming your parents. In fact, the conversation about blaming your parents is why most people are too afraid to even have this conversation in the first place because there's a part of us that um, has been kind of indoctrinated in a family system where we don't talk, we don't share family secrets. Our family was perfect. And to talk about this openly uh, feels like, uh, for some people, a betrayal to their parents that they're enmeshed with. So how many times people, oh my gosh, I don't want to say anything. What if my parents hear? 
I have a lot of clients that say, I really want to do what I love, but I, I want to speak my truth, but I, I don't want to hurt my parents' feelings. And you can really see the root cause of most of our issues is that we have a very, we are hardwired to connect and bond with family and to belong. And this bondage towards family becomes slavery uh, bonding, bonding becomes our bondage where we choose to unconsciously abandon ourselves and our desires so that we can bond with family. Little do people know that that, which I'm going to share today on, on, on our conversation today on this training is the root cause of why there, what I believe and what I've observed in 20 years of healing and now moved on from chiropractic, focusing on somatic work, healing, shadow integration work, all of the things I had to do to figure out why I was repeating narcissistic codependent cycles of codependency, not just in my relationships, but like my, my, my romantic relationships, but also in friendships, also with my career, with clients. It's just this, the, the, these constant obstacles I would bump up against despite all of my best intentions to be a good person and to do, you know, personal development and, and to think positive and to be a good person and all these things that we all, you know, aspire to be, what we study for, what we um, really pay attention and focus on and, and heal and work towards healing. So I, I just found this weird connection in my chiropractic practice. And simultaneously, as I go in through a divorce, and I'm working on healing my own attachment wounds. I didn't know they were attachment wounds at the time. I then look and see that everybody uh, who's coming to me is dealing with unconsciously the exact same thing. This unconscious fragmentation from the self that's caused by being raised in an upbringing with specific rules, with specific... Um, what's the word ignorances to 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 trauma to what actually trauma is and uh being the victim of emotionally immature parents who are doing the very best they could I mean, how often do the members of our students of our program say god i wish i had a mom i feel like i had a child i didn't have a mom i felt like i had to take care of my mom's emotions you know and so I start hearing these and I start putting my own kind of pieces together. And then I start taking courses and studying because I'm not an academic. I'm a clinician. I'm a, I'm a student first and then I'm a clinician second. In other words, all of your doctors, psychologists, academics that do research, they don't really have a lot of success. If you haven't noticed if being in this medical system with a mental health issue, if you've ever experienced that, that's traumatic in and of itself. The stories that I hear, holy crap. Um, uh, you know, it, that in and of itself is traumatic, is a trauma. Many of you are still suffering because of the, the, the systemic trauma from feeling invalidated, gaslit. You know, this is academia. This is the world of intellectuals. I, as a chiropractor, saw the people that the system didn't really fucking know what to do with. They ended up in my office. Because if the system worked, then chiropractic 
would not exist. We would have zero, there'd be zero reason for, for my profession to exist if this, you know, scientific academic uh, system, system actually worked. So I have been indoctrinated to question the system and to teach people to stop relying on the system and learn how to become reliant on the self in order to break that cycle of the system. I was doing it in my chiropractic practice. As I broke free from my own systemic, I guess, expectations that were imbued upon me that I took on as my own identity, which I didn't know I was doing at the time, I realized I was in a system and that was the cause of why I was anxious. I had anxiety. No, my, none of my relationships could ever work. I showed up constantly um, looking for uh, validation and approval outside of myself, becoming successful, becoming a salsa dancer, becoming Dr. Nima, so that I could, you know, finally get that love, external love that I was lacking for myself. And I didn't know why. I didn't even know I was running this game. Anybody watching could see it. I couldn't see it myself. So... um it wasn't until I hit one divorce, nine failed relationships later, and one that just was in such a toxic codependent dynamic, somebody who now I, I didn't know at the time, but it was very, very um, classic kind of, as I'm unpacking all this, classic, and I didn't even know this, symptoms of borderline personality disorder. And if you know anything about borderlines, borderlines are fucking magnets borderline traits and I'm not going to we're not going to use the diagnosis terms of the system but let's use the language of the system I don't really believe in these diagnoses they're all adaptations to trauma okay first of all the DSM is just a group of guys in a white coat who are tied to drug companies that need to identify and label things and diagnose them just to justify insurance it's got nothing to do with reality and it's all adaptation to trauma but the list, somebody who would be considered borderline, all of the traits of borderline, if you look it up, there's nine of them, which are all symptoms of trauma as well, right? And so there, plus very exploitative and entitled. And, but what she was giving me, borderlines are perfect for the narcissistic types. And my narcissistic type at the time, completely was overlooking all of those, um, all of those stories, uh, all of the, you know, the red flags, you know, the fact that she ran another company that was, you know, a little bit shady. Uh, oh, I didn't look at that. Oh, I'll just let her run my company. Why? Because I was in the throes of my narcissistic fantasy of, dominating the world. And she was very good at being able to convince me and validate all of the insecurities that I had. And so you see how both parties, myself and her included, manipulated one another to get what we wanted, get to get our needs met, to get our supply. For her, it was, you know, she's, you know, a background in, as a sex worker. Um, she's Dr. Nima understands my work. She also had the same kind of um, uh, 
mentor as me, so understood the work and was like my ideal client. And I helped her through it. And it just fed my freaking narcissistic supply, which is what all narcissists need is this, you know, constant attention from the many or supply or whatever. And by the way, are matched perfectly with the codependent borderline kind of type that needs their supply from the one. So you see the narcissist and the codependent are literally mat perfect matches for one another, unconsciously manipulating one another to get this shared fantasy. You and me against the world, baby. This kind of, you know, shared fantasy type of thing. It's like, so both parties, what happens is, both parties become whoever they need to, to keep getting this supply of attention, whether it's sexual for me and sexual validating my work. She literally could, it's like, you know, exactly how to, uh, to, to tug at exactly your vulnerabilities. Boom. Both parties do it. The codependent does it with the narcissist. The narcissist does it with the codependent. Two completely perfect matches for one another. A dance of the dead, they call it. Dance macabre, Professor Sam Vaknin calls it. So this is all a product of me really unpacking and understanding where it all comes from. And all of my friends, all of my family, even my, my parents, we're like, what are you doing with this person? And I was fucking blind. I was like, there's no way. There's no way I want to listen. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But overlook that. Here's my fantasy. And for her, same thing. They knew, her, her, her family knew that it wasn't a great match. And they were like, you know, you guys aren't, you know, you guys aren't a match. He's not that nice of a guy, da, 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 da. But based on her fantasy of, you know, financial rewards, having a big payday, um, she ignored all of her intuition. So we were both self-abandoning to get a fantasy, both based on unconscious trauma that was stored in our bodies. That's why, and, and here's the best part, no anger management classes we did together, no therapy we did together, no uh, personal development work that we did together, could actually break this trauma bond. We were bonded by trauma. And I realized it was a really humbling moment when the police were involved, had to be involved. And I had to look and go, how did I end up here? I've never, I've never had this experience before. I've never become, became this person. How did I become this person? Like, eesh, like, I can sit here and blame and put point fingers and say what a horrible human being she was. And that's fine. She had some amazing traits too. But the fact remains, why was I such a perfect match for this person? Why were we so disgustingly, beautifully, <laughs> tragically uh, a perfect match for one another? And so I stopped. It, it, it was a really dark time. It was the dark night of my soul. And that's when I met Dr. Russell Kennedy. And he started to show me that all of the work that I've done, and I'm very smart and intelligent, but I was missing the work of really getting into my heart, into getting vulnerable, 
into really being authentic and connecting with those insignificant parts of myself that I was trying to cover up with all these fantasies and grandiosities and attracting and, and bringing in people, women into my world that I had zero vision of a family with. Here I am, 43 years old, broken up. My twin brother doesn't have the same problems as me. His dental practice is crushing it. His, he's married with kids. And here I am living with my dog, just had to move out of my place and put it up on Airbnb and live with some friends and sit there. I think it was, I believe it was three Christmases ago. I was looking in a mirror and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> How does this happen? Right? I was full of shame. The shame, the toxic shame was horrendous. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to get uncomfortable. I'm going to learn. And I started becoming a student again, instead of a teacher, instead of being the sage on the stage, which is what I loved. Um, I decided I'm going to stop trying to fix other people and stop rescuing other people. And I'm going to really put my focus on you know, healing, really healing, not just faking it. And I don't believe, I, I do, I'm not saying many therapists and counselors are bad people or their work isn't effective. I'm saying going deep where the story, it doesn't even touch, it goes deeper than your, than my victim story and poor me type of story. So that's when I started discovering the shadow, uh, breath work. I started to feel, I, I, I realized that I was using personal development and therapy to feel better as kind of like a pain reliever, a sedative to not feel. And I realized that I was looking in the wrong direction and my work was now to start to become better at feeling, being in my heart, being in my body, being more present and truly healing from my traumas. And I realized I went back in time and it all goes back to parents. And I wanted to share with you what I discovered and why this is so important to me of several parenting traits that are insidiously traumatic because most people are like, well, I didn't abuse my, my, my kid. And, and to be honest, you know, we didn't really, my brother and I didn't get hit. It wasn't physical violence. There was a few times where it got to that, but I wouldn't characterize myself. And this is what we hear a lot from many, many of our students. They're like, my parents, my, my childhood was great. I don't remember anything bad happening. And what I realized when I started to dive in and really go inward and study uh, the polyvagal attachment theory, uh, shadow work, inner child work, um, family systems work, and I started to go deeper into the body where most of your therapists and counselors haven't really gone to yet because it hasn't gotten out. And I realized that uh, there is trauma that is passed down from well-meaning parents that they don't even know that it is creating trauma. And the first way that we do this, I wanna in introduce you to this concept that trauma isn't about these big bad events. So many of us think physical violence and sexual abuse, this is trauma, right? But you know what? You know, if I'm walking down the street and someone punches me in the face, it'll hurt and the bruise will go away and I could even kind of say, you know what? Um, it was about him, he's, he's a bit of a jerk, and I, I, I would get over it. But some of these, what we call small T traumas, are far more insidious, 
and they are deep within in our bodies and they are it's like kind of like death by a million paper cuts it's a great analogy this death by a million paper cuts so i want to I want to show you how unconsciously and 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 once once I saw this I was like wow this explains why every persian that I know is follows the narcissist is split narcissistic codependent in their relationships. You know, first of all ask yourself what kind of relationship did your parents have with one another? It's a good question for you to ask yourself. Was there a narc was it was there a tyrant and a codependent? Was there a narcissist and a codependent borderline which is you know deep fear of abandonment a merger a loss of self a person who abandons themselves and then takes on the identity of another person merges with them as a survival mechanism which is what my ex did with me she took on a whole identity that merged with mine so that i was like why would i ever let this person go with all the fucking flaws that she's got that's fine people are people Look at how all of my needs are met. My business she was running. She's an amazing coach and she was just doing so much great stuff. Like, okay, so she's got this absolute paralyzing fear of abandonment that literally is disrupting all of us like as a team on a regular basis at our events. Let's kind of work around that. You know, I didn't have the courage to go, no, this is not cool. And, you know, because I was afraid, I was deathly afraid if we break up, like, what's she going to do? Like, but I kept going with that. And I, for some reason, now I look back and I'm like, of course, I didn't have a chance based on what I'm about to share. I didn't have a chance of doing any other way based on how I was raised. And so essentially, trauma is not about the event Trauma is not about the event. It's about the unconscious body-based sensations overstimulating in the body that are stuck that haven't been resolved. There isn't a resolution. It's a distress without a resolution. Think about that. So if you all of a sudden get told, for example, physical violence, there's physical abuse. But then if the next day you don't talk about it and say, hey, son, that wasn't cool. I'm really sorry that I hit you. Dad was really upset. Tell me what that was like for you. No, but because of the toxic shame, it gets swept under the rug. And so you as a child are sitting there going, what the fuck just happened? And you're not going to say, wow, my dad's got some big traumas going on and he's just not having a good day. You know, it's not about me. No, as a child, what I'm going to say is, it must be that I'm bad. It must be that I'm wrong. And this is the, this is the voice of trauma. The voice of trauma is that inner critic. And is that inner critic. And so I want to show you how, and that inner critic is self-abandonment. And I want to show you how the impact of this self-conditioned self-abandonment based on parents that are completely unaware because they're in their own shit, can get passed down to children and then create a secondary generation of narcissists and codependents, borderlines, all of that. Not the classical medical diagnosis, but people behaving in relationships, toxic relationship dynamics. What do you think it is? It's exactly these traits. I'm not saying you're labeled or diagnosed in that. No, that's gaslighting. I'm just saying when you look back and you have popcorn 
and you're watching the dynamic, it's like a pattern. It's completely insidious. So narcissistic parenting creates narcissistic and codependent children because there's a narcissist and a codependent, which then get creates narcissist and codependent children. You either go one way or the other, depending on the relationship too. This is it's a mind fuck. You could be a narcissist in one relationship, codependent style in another. I know it's fucking crazy. I, I, I had to unpack all of this. I stopped working. I stopped I stopped, I stopped distracting myself by being that Dr. Nima. This was the hardest thing for me to do was to let go of my identity, which is a classic, you know, it's a false self that I had to put up so that I didn't feel that insecurity. So for me, the biggest threat for me was to give up my identity. I was like, oh my God, kind of like when I sold my chiropractic practice, I didn't have a place to walk into to be the man. And there was pain associated with that. It was like, whoa. Like, what's that? I'm like, oh my God, could it be that I took on this big fucking practice, overloaded myself, overexerted myself so that I can walk around going, look at me, I have one of the largest multidisciplinary clinics in the lower mainland. Meanwhile, the whole time I was paralyzed with anxiety, never felt like it was enough, no matter how successful I became, just wasn't enough. Look, I got this award here in 20, (laughs) this is so funny. I look at this and I, I kind of put it up as like a memento of who I was back then. Um, in 19, sorry, in 20 business excellence awards, uh, in 2010 business excellence awards, the Maple Ridge chamber of commerce, big business excellence awards, uh, Westgate wellness center for business excellence, one to 20 employees. This guy, that moment i remember i walked up on stage and i said success winston churchill says success is going from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm and i got everyone to clap and it felt really good my wife at the time was there and it was a month or two later that we separated and that began the downward spiral of my um of my uh marriage and crumbling of that one identity and it's funny is that You know, the more successful I became, the more kind of arrogant and narcissistic I became, the more detached I became from my family, from my wife. And so I'm not saying, you know, she was completely blameless. She was totally at the effect of her own traumas as well. And we beautifully created that same unconscious dynamic. And that's why I had my divorce. I didn't know what I know now. Luckily, we're great friends. Me and my ex-wife are like amazing friends and she was even at my wedding and so this is what both of us when doing your healing work can actually do you can actually see uh you know you stop seeing evil black and white bad guy good guy you know when you how do you know you've done your healing work is you stop seeing people by splitting them you're no longer holding on to this victim story of they're the evil ones and i'm this angelic blameless excuse me (coughs) so It was really interesting because as I went deeper and I understood that I had no other choice to be this way, not because it's my parents' fault, because I'm not saying fault or blame because they had no idea either. They don't even know this. I had to do my own work to see when there are certain parenting traits that are going to create this mess 
that causes children to uh, recreate narcissistic codependent relationships. You know, it, I think the future of our fucking species depends on people really getting this. I'm not just trying to be grandiose here. This is big. As soon as I saw, I did the work. I was like, whoa, this is big. Cause everybody I was talking to is like, oh my God, you're telling my story. I'm like, I know this is my story too. I thought to myself, all right, three years ago, I said, could I figure out how to heal this and to provide direct evidence that it's worked by seeing a difference in my life? This is the main difference that I uh, challenge all the experts who talk about narcissism and codependency. There's a lot of them on YouTube, a lot of them. Experts, academics, great. A narcissism, but very, and, and codependency, but very few of them talk about healing from these things. They coach people about what it is. And so that you understand and label it and go, oh, it's not your fault, you're blameless. But how many of those people teaching have actually demonstrated from doing their work that they were able to now recreate something totally different in their lives, in reality? No bullshit, not just standing on a stage talking about it, but actually living it. And I thought, all right, I'm not gonna teach anymore until I have some sort of about relationships. I have no right to talk about relationships until I've shown some demonstrable evidence that I have changed that cycle, that I've broken that cycle that didn't start with me. And lo and behold, this is my family. And I now have this beautiful community of cycle breakers who are now doing the same thing. People who are in abusive, toxic, narcissistic, codependent cycles, lawyers only t communicating by lawyers, taking on the work, breaking that cycle that didn't start. They were like, oh my God, this isn't about my partner at all. This is about my, how I was parented and how he was parented and how she was parented. Oh, holy crap. You start to see from a different lens. You see the world through the lens of the nervous system and trauma. You don't see monsters and evil villains and horrible perpetrators that become these mythological creatures that we must all be afraid of and run. No, we see them as abused little children themselves, not aware that they were at the effect of traumatic, narcissistic, unconscious parenting. So let me get to it. It's like, shut up, Nima. What is it? What? A, how do I know? Well, here it is. The purpose of parenting, conscious parenting, is to help the child do what's called individuation. In other words, to be, to, to feel seen, heard, and loved for who they are, not what they want, not what is expected of or hoped by a parent who's at the effect of their own traumas. See, if I'm at the effect of my own traumas, I'm going to use my child and see him as an extension of me. And all of my shame of myself will be unconsciously downloaded to him. How? Just by my, just by my behavior, very insidious behavior. You know, like how many times do you get the message based on questioning and behavior that if you don't get to this level, if you don't perform this, if you don't get this and you don't make me look good and you don't 
be the be the one to provide me with my supply <laughs> of attention and you disgrace me then i banish you that, that you're not lovable for who you are you're only lovable based on if you fill this this quota kind of like a doll many how many of us first of all are you aware this is the question what is your this is the question you want to ask yourself if you want to change your style and you want to break the cycle why did you decide to become a parent why does it why did you decide to become that do you know here's the question do you know why your parents decided to have kids was it because it was expected because of society to fit in well guess what if that is what happened or did you do it because did they do it because they had the child because the mom really wanted to be connected to dad and never feel alone or need the child to be kind of an extension of themselves or be kind of like their mini me so that they can validate themselves. Guess what? And, and I say this hilariously knowing that my son is a fucking spittage, spitting image of me <laughs> and my wife likes to put him in certain clothes that I'm in uh, as kind of like a mini me. And I know that <laughs> here I am talking about individuating and we put our kid in our Christmas clothing. I get the, <laughs> I get the irony. I'm doing this consciously though. It's really cute. And the whole point of conscious parenting is to teach my son is to actually teach my son how to be his own individual. And so if you were a child and you decided you wanted to do this or you are, were gay or you uh, wanted to be an artist when you had parents that were all about you wanting to be an engineer, cue in all the Asian, Persian, Indian people. I see you, my brothers and sisters, or in a religion, religious doctrine that you might not have really jived with and wanted to do something else, but felt shame, toxic shame, as though your worthiness was not uh, valid or your sense of self-worth isn't valid unless you fit into this specific box. My dad literally told me, not in so many words, if you don't fit into this box, you know, you're still our son and we'll love you, but we, 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 want, we would want nothing to do with you. These were the messages that I had. And the message to my younger self get, goes is that, oh, okay, my dad isn't kind of like under the effect of his uh, narcissistic parenting and emotionally immature and lack of empathy. It's because I'm not enough unless I follow that. So what happens is it creates a split in the psyche, in my psyche, in yours as well. We start to fracture from ourselves and create these false sense of selves, false selves of grandiosity, of perfection, of fantasy. And we start to compare ourselves and we interject. It's called interjection. We take that voice of our parent. You ever noticed? You have the voice of a really critical parent in the back of your mind. Guess what? That's called interjection and it becomes the voice of what's called our super ego, right? Or part of our, our shadow. Uh, and uh, now you're talking shit to yourself and now you're parenting yourself the way you were parented. And there's there might be zero physical violence or sexual abuse at all with it. This is small t trauma 
It goes even deeper. If you've ever experienced a child <clears throat> narcissistic parenting, sometimes when you're immature, and this is I've noticed this as well, um, when when Dominic was born, all of Diana's attention went to him, right? Thank God I did this work because had I not done this work, I would have seen Dominic as my competition. And this happens constantly. One of the clients that I work, this uh, sales, sale, beautiful, lovely saleswoman from Australia, her husband was like, she's like, why is it that my husband's so angry with my, my, my three-year-old? It's like he just, just yells and screams and shames him. It's, I feel like he's jealous of the attention that he's getting. I'm like, yep. When a child is competition for attention from a narcissistic parenting, the child then feels, feels they don't see, oh, my dad, psh, narcissistic parenting, small T trauma, doesn't have a firm sense of self, looking for it externally. Mom's giving it to me because I'm more important. I'm the kid. He doesn't get it. That's on him. No, the three-year-old doesn't say that. The three-year-old says, it must be because I'm bad. The, the, the child doesn't stop loving the parent. The child stops, starts, stops loving themselves. And this fracture from self-love then causes us to seek it outside in external means because we didn't get it from our primary caregivers. You see how this cycle continues. And then that person, that son, then becomes either a narcissist or a codependent, whichever role. Flip back and forth, two sides of the same fucking coin. And it's like when the child is competition. Number two, when the child is a nuisance. That, so, so when I started feeling this, this, this way, oh my God, you know, Dominic's getting all the attention. Look, he's got getting all the boob. I got no boob. What the fuck? And now we, we joke about it now, but I noticed those feelings coming up and I was able to consciously become aware of them and, and regulate them and then share it with my wife and then have more intimacy and sometimes some tears. And it was like a really great connection of intimacy because I had actually done the work and I continuously do the work. Those of you who say, oh, I did the work already. No, you didn't. It's fucking ongoing. Life is coming at you. You got to have the skills to take your triggers and create resolution. The trigger of my, you know, not getting attention from my wife, which is, by the way, why many marriages fail within the first two years of having a kid. Because people don't fucking talk about this stuff. They hide or he, he won't say because if I don't, if I don't, I won't say it to my wife because I'm afraid that she's going to, you know, she doesn't receive it very well because she doesn't, she's at the effect of her traumas. So she can't handle feedback because of her own kind of narcissistic defense strategies that we all have. And then I can't share it. So I'm going to use porn. I'm going to have a, an affair. I'm just going to find other ways to get my needs met because I can't share how I'm feeling with my wife. The work is never done, my friend. <laughs> the work is a, is, a, is, a, is a relationship with the universe, is a relationship that's ever expanding and becoming uh, kind of understood with the universe. So it's ongoing. And if you're not constantly really looking within, then you will definitely have these massive breakdowns, these ruptures, then you don't know how to repair them. Having secure relationships and healing our traumas isn't about never being triggered and never having arguments and ruptures. It's about having them and knowing how to, how to create resolution with them. That's the art form. But 
Did you learn that from your parents? No, I didn't. How did they do conflict? What did conflict mean? Did it mean absolute rage? Absolute breaking shit? Great. Guess what you'll probably do? You'll either repeat it or you'll completely avoid it and, and hide yourself because of that trauma. Trauma, this overstimulation that has no parents that can be an empathetic witness and help the child release it turns into anxiety and health problems later. I'm just talking about the small T traumas. I'm not even talking about sexual abuse and physical abuse. Add that shit in to the mix. And now most people are walking around with complex post-traumatic stress disorder, getting into complex, comp, getting into relationships with unresolved trauma. I don't like the labels. We all have complex post-traumatic stress disorder. If we really look at it, this is unresolved trauma, unresolved attachment trauma. This is toxic trauma bonds with our parents that we relive in our relationship dynamics because of parenting that is unconscious. So the child is competition. The child is a nuisance, you know, and notice this is a feeling that you have. If I feel that for Dominic, he will feel it from me. Children are like our animals and pets, not, <laughs> you know what I mean? They can feel you when you're sad or you're angry, your dog comes up and feels you, licks you, how the fuck do they do that? Well, because they are attuned. Guess what? My 15-month-old is equally as attuned. He can feel if I'm feeling him as a nuisance. And that is experienced as trauma. I'm not saying I'm abusing him directly. I'm saying it's experienced as trauma and, it, and without understanding how to resolve it, it accumulates in our system and causes us to have sent complete lack of self-worth because of this, I'm not enough, I'm bad. And then we get into relationships with this floating in the background and wonder why things become toxic dynamics. Good news, you can, you can, you can break that cycle. Number three is when the child then becomes a supply, is a kind of like something that, you know, Tell me, you know, one of my clients has a, has a dad who's complete raving narcissist and says, hey, look, just did a, did a picture up on the wall and said, hey, look, um, that's a picture I put of, of you. You're my angel. Remember to act like it. In other words, keep giving me my narcissistic supply, you know, and love bombing and all that stuff. And so, you know, that was a classic narcissistic codependent dynamic, which then she's repeating and now we're breaking the cycle and she's freeing herself from relationship dynamics that are completely no longer serving. So when the child is a supply, when you're using your kid for attention, when you're using your kid as an emotional tampon, as a surrogate parent, say you're going through a divorce and you go after, you know, you're really angry with your wife or your husband and you're just like talking to that, your kid and just dumping and emotionally dumping on them. Narcissists are classic victims. I, I said this on, a, um, on my previous post. Make sure you watch the video, uh, Why We Love Victimhood So Much. It was from yesterday. It was really well received. Um, victimhood and people's victim stories have a tendency of really infecting us. You ever had somebody really emotionally dumping on you? You feel it, it, it becomes traumatic. Well, imagine having a parent who's constantly 
telling their child about all of their emotional problems. That gets infiltrated and it infects the boundaries of the child. We are all affecting, impacting one another. You're being impacted right now by my voice, my mannerisms, my nervous system. <clears throat> the content you consume either puts you to sleep or it awakens you. So the content that we are unconsciously giving our children, this doom and gloom and your father is horrible and all my problems and they become that, their boundaries become warped and all trauma is boundary violations. And that becomes traumatic to a ch child. It's called emotional incest. And it's not big T trauma. One of our clients uh, was the surrogate partner to her father when she was five years old going through a divorce with the mother who herself, she was completely depressed. So on one hand, she was with mom and had to help keep her from like utter despair all the time. And with dad, be like the, the sounding board for all his relationship issues. So guess what she starts, guess what she, guess what she created in her life? She became the codependent. You've been listening to the Trigger Proof Podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience. And a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. To a narcissist who completely cheated on her again and again and again, they have two kids, and she's now, after one year, she's like, I've completely, totally breaking the cycle. My children don't have anxiety anymore. And she's left that relationship and she's getting healthier and her business is expanding. She's found herself, right? Cause she was done with the story and she was ready to actually heal. And she didn't want to be passing it down. Number four, trauma to a child. And this happens usually when you have a parent that has some psychopathic tendencies is that, um, the, the, the child then is used as a pawn or a weapon to inflict damage on their intimate partner. Parental alienation. This is traumatic to a child. A child then all of a sudden adopts the victim story uh, at, to make sense of their anxiety, adopts the victim story of the parent to then make sense of life. And then that person is the villain and this person is good. And I've seen so many of our clients with paralyzing, crippling depression, dissociated relationships with dad because they were fed a bunch of this, like uh, about how horrible 
dad is, and this is traumatic to a child. How is a little 10-year-old nervous system supposed to know what the fuck to do with that? And this isn't, this is all because of unconscious, very traumatized parenting that unconsciously gets passed down who then to this person who's now in a relationship dynamic who's completely narcissistic codependent and now she's got a kid and she's like, I want to break the cycle. And whew, this is why this work is so important to me is because I don't want my child to be at the effect of my unresolved wounding and he will be if I don't look at it and take ownership of it. The next one is uh, the most, uh, it's called merging, okay? It's kind of like the, the child becomes, this is another way parent, parents cause trauma. The child basically merges with the parent and becomes a mini parent doing everything, you know? It's like the child is the extension of, of them, right? And it's like, hey, we're gonna have a common goal. Hey, we're gonna uh, be in the symphony, you know? We have a common goal, it's called co-optation. Basically, it doesn't allow the child to individuate. The child's message as a five-year-old is, well, I have to do whatever he does so that I can be loved. And that's self-abandonment, that's trauma to a child. I mean, playing the piano isn't exactly what, you know, he might've wanted. Uh, it doesn't, it's not physically abusive. But what is traumatic is the child's response having to, having to abandon him, his true values, his true preferences, his true definition, the shape of who he is gets altered. And that traumatizes the child and then creates co-optation. Either this child then becomes a narcissist or a codependent. It's sometimes it's a coin toss. They don't know how or what, but it just, it just happens because he then replays these dynamics. He, that boy will then find a woman who, co, who he has to co-opt with and they have a shared fantasy that she creates and she's, she's like, okay, I'll belong to that. And then 20 years into the marriage, she's cheated on him because he's just not who he is. He doesn't even know who he is. He has no idea who the fuck he is. He's been co-opting and merging with other entities. And so that's trauma to a child. Also, spoiling a child, giving them everything that they want is a form of trauma. I didn't even know this because it doesn't create a boundary with the external world. And so when they go out and they experience real life, they become drug addicts because they don't, they're, they're just used to having everything that they want because of a parent that spoils them because of uh, some sort of a dynamic with the parent that they feel guilt about. Oh, okay, I feel so guilty. Here, take this, I'm gonna buy you everything, you get whatever you want, and these people become alcoholics, drug addicts. They have to be in recovery from it. Moral of the story is, if you are one of the most conscious, well-meaning parents. It doesn't matter how conscious you want to be. I wanna be the best parent. I'm gonna be the best parent. Those people in our programs, they do their mission statement. I'm gonna be the most rock star mom at all. And I'm like, oh God, I'm glad we, we caught this. 
narcissistic parenting happening. It's like, it's going to be about me being a great mom. It's like, no, 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 no. How do you become a great mom? You become empathetic. You help the child individuate. You assist the child in guiding him or her to the truest sense of themselves and having them feel unconditionally loved regardless. How are you supposed to do that if you haven't done that with yourself? If you are a parent and you are really wanting to become conscious, you can't do that without first healing what's inside of you first. These unresolved trauma bonds that have you repeating these patterns, these cycles. I was, I was that. I was that person. I didn't even know that separating, separation from a child, from, from your parent, which happened to me at two, that was a trauma. It didn't even come out until breath work. So this is an invitation for those of you <clears throat> to understand several nuanced ways in which we are unconsciously, through no fault of our own, really damaging and hurting our children, not to shame you, but to help awaken you. There is shame involved. Healthy shame is actually a good thing. Please, let's make the distinction. I changed because I had shame. I was, I called it out. I was like, I'm sharing with you a lot, been very transparent with you about a lot of the shame that I was experienced. The second that I can share my shame with you, it goes from toxic, hidden in the dark, fucking running amok, to healthy shame. I believe healthy shame is how we break the cycle, is by having the courage to have these conversations, to share our stories, and to commit to doing the deep inner work, going beneath the story to heal what's inside of us so that we can then break the cycle for our children. The future of our species fucking depends on it. Look around you. It is a pandemic of people who are dissociated from themselves, trying to find who they are in external objects because they have completely abandoned themselves for good reason because of their unresolved trauma. And so I'm going to invite you to find a guide in a community to do your trauma healing work. And if you feel inspired to reach out to DM or to, uh, first of all, number one, go on my um, Instagram and get the attachment style survey so that you can understand your attachment style, number one. Number two, Watch the training right afterwards, which is should I stay or go? It's kind of the five transitions you got to make in order to really know if this person's the right person for you and you're ready to move on. Or we've, we've seen in many cases the relationship up levels when people do this. Um, uh, and then when you're ready to be a cycle breaker and you don't want to play the victim anymore to your parents, because I'm not a victim to my parents anymore, I now completely see and acknowledge what's happened and I don't have to have them change for me to love them as they are. I'm better with boundaries, but um, you can break the cycle too. Give me one second. I'm gonna invite anybody who wants to jump up. Um, hold on one second. 15. Humans late. I'm gonna invite anybody to jump on, on stage and uh, let me know what was relevant for you. If you have any questions, uh, you wanna jump up and ask, go ahead and put your, raise your hand. Um, you want some specific guidance? I'm not a parenting coach. 
<clears throat> I'm not a narcissistic expert. I am a expert on healing <laughs> from a clinical standpoint, not because I wrote a bunch of fucking journal articles and I teach at a university. No, that's not me. I'm the guy that, um, I'm the guy that actually helps the people who've been going to doctors and, and coaches and personal development and are really ready to, to, to do the, the inner work to make incremental progress and learn the skills of becoming trigger-proof, taking your triggers. This is the best way that you can become a, a rock star parent, and I've been practicing since my son was born. During the pandemic, raising a child, you know, new marriage, building a business and, and being very busy helping people with trauma, learning how to take my triggers and turn them into deeper self-love has been my saving grace. It's been allowed me to have a child and, and um, have a secure relationship. I never thought that was possible. So when you're looking for a guide to help you with these types of things, you want to make sure you look at their life, not, not just kind of like the credential degree is like, all right, do they, have they given you evidence of going through the process or do they just teach about it? Because often those who can't do teach. So you want to make sure that who you're going to for help actually has some evidence that they're doing their own work. <clears throat> Any questions? Is an opportunity. Did this trigger you? Did this, what, what came up for you? Really, my, my whole purpose is uh, on this. Go ahead and, and raise your hand. I'd love to hear from, from you guys. Um, this is a, a super duper important topic. If nobody has any questions, that's cool. Um, yeah, so once again, um, my name is Dr. Nima Romani, and the doctor is from chiropractic. It's not because I, I wrote I'm a psychologist or a psychiatrist. No, I don't treat mental disorders. I don't believe in, in, in treating disorders in any other way except healing the nervous system by doing specific things, exercises, neural exercises. We can increase the flexibility of our nervous system. We can then take that stimulus that causes us to go into one of our trauma, one of the four trauma responses that destroy relationships, and we can actually turn them into deeper intimacy. We can have ruptures in our friendships, in our relationships. We can have arguments, and then we can have repair. And it's possible. But nobody likely modeled it to you, so it's wise for you to learn it from a body-based standpoint, not just by reading a book because you actually have to get in. It's like the difference between, this work I kind of um, use like, uh, it's like picking up a book and reading about physical exercise versus registering, signing up, applying and going, I'm ready to do the work. So if nobody has any specific questions uh, or a share, I'd love to hear, you know, what came up for you in this? What, if you'd like to share, what was your, um, you know, experience like, what came up for you? Do you hate my guts now that I've exposed certain things that are uncomfortable? Like, I'm just, I'm curious what, what, what's come up for you. You can go ahead and raise your hand. I'd like to welcome you up. And um, let's see. There we go. We have one. Queen P14 from Texas. Welcome. Yes. Hi, Dr. Romani. Thank you so much uh, for just sharing um, your insights on this. And it definitely... Um, <laughs> I can be honest and say it did slightly trigger me, but um, in a good way, uh, because I myself, I found some of the things that you've mentioned to be some things I've struggled with as a parent. I have a two and a half year old son 
Yep. I am a single mom. Um, mm-hmm. I did grow up in a very, um, at times, volatile uh, childhood where my mother, um, I'm 30 years old now, and my mom is still an alcoholic. So I've found myself um, having a lot of codependency, things I've dealt with, you know, being um, the parent myself. Uh, and I've done a lot of inner work, and I'm still healing um, while my healing journey of, you know, just kind of getting away from that mindset. But I guess uh, my question is around control and how to not control my child because I find (laughs) myself (laughs) um, trying at times to control his behavior Mm -hmm. and constantly saying, no, don't do this, don't do that. And he's a very high-spirited child. Yep. And, um, and it's almost like I get frustrated and I know that he feels that from me because of my anxiety and I've, I've dealt with like shame around that. And almost like you were saying earlier, like trying to make him be, or trying to make our kids be someone right. That they aren't because they did come here to experience something and have their own, um, way. And I mean, even my mom is a controller and my yeah. grandmother, I like, I've seen patterns of that in my family line. You're like, and you were like, and, no matter how much I am never, ever, ever going to be like my mom. And now boom, right? Yes. here we are. That's <laughs> what I hear a me, lot. Like, now look at me. I just, fuck, I promise, I promised myself I wouldn't do this. And here I am repeating the same uh, cycle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's scary too, because it's like, am I the narcissist now? Am yeah. I, you know, projecting that onto my my child yeah that's why this is really important that Mm -hmm. i i spoke about this i really want to just first of all acknowledge you for having the courage portia to to share this not a lot of people do um many people we we have shame and it's the toxic Mm -hmm. shame that causes us to hide and that's how these problems are perpetuated because nobody because people are are now starting to gather up more courage to share so thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. that Um, It sounds to me like you're now acknowledging some patterns and you really want to learn how to change it. Yes, definitely. Okay, so can I take you through kind of the process that I teach? This is how I, this is how I parent now. And my method, I created a method, method called the overview method that helps parents, helps human beings in relationships be able to navigate their triggers, to own what they project and to dissolve the victimhood so that they can now love themselves and the other person exactly as they are and um, heal conflicts and ruptures that will happen. So can I take you through a little bit? And I'm just taking you through and you might have some resistance because you're on stage. And so are you open to me kind of walking you through the process so that people get what the work entails? Yes. Okay, perfect. So can you go to a moment where you your 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 son is it your son yeah your son is is like being free-spirited and that's triggering you and you're wanting to control him so sorry i think you're breaking up there slightly can you go to a time where your son was triggering you because of his free-spiritedness that you had to you felt like you wanted to react by controlling yes what was happening describe it um i would say lately when trying to put him to sleep right and oh, um, i can relate to that <laughs> believe me i can relate to that and i'm so tired yeah 
exactly like patting him and i'm in his room i have his music on i have his stars on yeah you know like his nightlight and everything and i'm just like oh like go the fuck to sleep they did they did a song have you heard have you heard um what's the guy's name samuel l jackson's reading of the of the book go the fuck to sleep I have not. Okay, just side note, everybody's got to do this. Go on YouTube and go Samuel L. Jackson, go the fuck to sleep. It is a nursery rhyme, but in Samuel L. Jackson's like, go the fuck to sleep. It is so hilarious. I just just wanted to say that first off to do that. So here's what's happening. And so it sounds like you you just, you're so tired and you just want him to just get on with it and go to to sleep. Mm -hmm. And then you try to control him. How do you then react What's your reaction when that happens? So I'll just tell him, I'll be like, close your eyes or like my tone could sound irritated. And yes. I'm like padding and if it's right, exactly like a nuisance and I'll be in his room maybe 30 minutes and then it turns into an hour and yeah. it's already going on 10 p.m. And mm. I'm thinking to myself, like my mind's racing and I'm like, I just... Yeah. Excuse my French, but I fucking want time for myself. Yes. And I'm tired of this. And then I may walk out, right? And then totally. So here's my question to you. Um, when you're feeling nuisanced, when you're feeling like your time is not important, can you go into your body for a moment and feel that? The feeling you're getting that's causing you to react by wanting to control. Can you feel that for a moment? Yes. All right. What, what are you, as you're feeling this, you're trying to be controlled, ex- you feel like you're being controlled externally and you're like, I just want to, what's the I am statement that Portia is making about herself that she's not able to do what she wants? I am frustrated. Yeah. And you're frustrated because you're not able to do what you, you really want, right? Yes. And what kind of a person doesn't get to do what they want? Somebody who's what? I get you're frustrated, but what kind of a person doesn't really, it, it is stifled. I'm what? Yes, that's what came to mind, stifled. So trapped then? I'm trapped, yes. Ah, okay. So I want you to feel the I'm trapped feeling in your body. And I want you to know that your son's job in this world, and this is what we teach in, in our trainings, your son's job in this world is to um, help you connect with the younger parts of you that you've dissociated from because of your traumas. That's how you take on parenting. So as you see him, I'm trapped. I want you to know that this I'm trapped feeling that you're feeling, Portia, mm-hmm. is not a new feeling for you, is it? You've had that feeling before when you were younger. Yeah. How old do you feel when you feel trapped? Mm, um, probably like six or so. And what was happening around you, if you don't mind me asking? Just a lot of just arguing, just having to just chaos. Uh, internalize, exactly like internalize. Internalize, that. right, exactly. And so can you see that when your son has big feelings like this, that you then turn around and you regress to a six-year-old. How old's your son, by the way? He's two and a half. Okay. So you then regress. So you then become the child when he's having those big emotions and he's being, can you see that? 
And so that little six-year-old who's feeling not seen, not heard, completely having to internalize and they just, it's like no one, kind of like nobody gets me, right? I'm going through whatever I'm going through. Can you see that there's kind of like a nobody gets me type of experience you're describing or am I a way off? Definitely like the, right, misunderstood. All right, perfect. So now I'm just, I'm just kind of like pointing that out. His job is to expose that. So when you understand what he's actually bringing up for you, you can now connect with that six-year-old self. Can you, if you were to connect with her and pretend that she's your daughter and you're holding her as though you love your son, what would you tell her as she's feeling misunderstood? Um, that she's safe. Mm. She can, she's safe right here. And Beautiful. Doesn't have to. <laughs> can you take a moment and drop into your body and connect with her? This is going to sound very wooey, but it's actually, she's in your body. This is in your unconscious mm-hmm. mind. This is where our memories are. Our hypothalamus, our, our hippocampus stores all of this. Our amygdala stores it. So you access it by dropping in and just connecting with her as though you're holding your own child. And as you give her that validation, notice what happens to your, your, what's happening in your body. Can you describe that? Yes. Um, just peace. Yeah. Like you, you notice that feeling. Right. Yeah. You notice that sense of calm. This is mm-hmm. called self-regulation or what I like to call internal co-regulation. This is when you're ch- talking to various younger parts of yourself and you're co-regulating the child inside of you. Your body then goes, <sighs> guess what happens when your body goes into a calmer state? Guess what happens to the son that's feeling pretty much exactly as you did when you were six years old? Can you see that your son's reactivity is similar to how you felt? Definitely. Boom. And now that you're aware of this and you just took a moment and you were able to just put that together, imagine what impact it would have on him before he's going to bed. Having a mother who is in frustration energy because she's six years old again, or She's now a functional adult who's parented herself and is now able to say, what were the things that you said to your, your younger self there? You're safe. Guess what she then can say to her son. Son, you're safe. Bingo. And I tell you, that will produce far better results in helping a child's nervous, a two-year-old's nervous system go to sleep if you can mean it because he's two. So he doesn't really get language yet, but he feels you. You can't fucking fake this. You actually have to mean it. (laughs) And guess what would happen to him when you really connect that? Instantaneous shift. So So parenting, usually it's like discipline, quiet, control, stop, go to sleep. You're frustrating mommy. But discipline, I learned this from Gabor Mate, is, is the word discipline has a root word of disciple. Instead of becoming their authoritarians, t- 
turn them into disciples. They lead them, lead them into safety by creating safety within yourself. This is a new race of people that I'm trying to grant with my narcissistic grandiosity, <laughs> try to help. I'm, I'm leading a community of cycle breakers. This is the work it takes. And thank God that I've learned this because how many times have I been like, fuck Dominic, could you just go the fuck to sleep? But then I was able to just do what I just showed you in a matter of 10 seconds and had him literally falling in my hands calmer because I regulated myself before I passed down this, come on, would you go the fuck to sleep? And then what does his one-year-old body then feel? Oh, I'm misunderstood. My feelings don't matter. No one cares about me. Kind of like you felt when you were a child, Portia. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. That makes so much sense to me. <laughs> Any and my son is super intuitive. Well, yes, they like all are. <laughs> all of them are. My, my, my 15-month-old fucking knows. He looks at me and it's just like, you can't fake this. You actually have to show up with an open heart. And I get it. You have all the excuses not to do the work. I'm a single mom. Uh, I don't have the time. Uh, it's really hard. I don't have the money. And I, did, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm poor me. And, and I get that that's going to be, there's going to be obstacles. But like, imagine 40 years ago, your parent had the opportunity, 50 years ago, your parent had the opportunity to actually really commit to doing this type of work and learning how to self-regulate their autonomic what impact would that have had on your upbringing, Portia? Would I that probably have, would have attracted a lot different people than I have. You probably would not have fallen in into the same narcissistic codependent yeah. cycles unconsciously through no fault of your own. This is really about putting down the magnifying glass and picking up a mirror and taking on the, the your trauma healing work and breaking those emotional kind of trauma bonds and dealing with your triggers and emotional flashbacks so that we can then make sure that the next generation doesn't grow up with all the same anxiety and chronic health disorders that this generation is in so i really am um makes my heart sing to share this work with people so thanks for being up here of course thank you so much and i'm just thankful for this opportunity and to be vulnerable in front of everyone. Yeah, big love, this. big love to you for doing that. That's pretty huge. I appreciate you. Thanks, Portia. So essentially what I'm going to invite anyone to do who I, I get DMs all the time. Um, if you're ready to break the cycle there, just go into my Instagram or send me a DM and say, I'm ready. I'll send you an application and you just tell us what your story is there and what your commitment level is there and where you're, you know, where you're at, um, what your obstacles are. And then we'll see if we're the right fit. I realize after doing this for several years that not everybody's a fit for this. You got to really be ready to become your own hero. Got to be willing to put all those obstacles and aside and do it scared. Don't wait for fear to not be there. So this is for people who are like acknowledging that, 2021 and post-pandemic world hasn't been, could be better, and you'd like to make it better by this time next year. Those are the people that I'd love to to hear from. Um, I appreciate everybody sharing and uh, Portia's very vulnerable share in my opportunity to be able to educate. Um, I'm not saying I'm the greatest parent. I'm here. I'm I'm saying that 
I'm a student. I'm here to learn from Dominic just as much as here to, he's here to learn from me. And the greatest gift that I can give my son is a safe, secure relationship with his mother so that he feels safe and understood and guided into individuating from me, even though my ego is going to want him to do certain things <laughs> and be certain people for me to be able to keep an eye on that and make sure that the messages he's receiving is that he's loved unconditionally, not as an extension of myself and that I take responsibility for what triggers me about him <laughs> and to not download my toxic shame onto him. And I really am grateful that you're here and I look forward to seeing you at the next perfect time.